Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Sure is. How are you? Good. Maybe a tiny bit dead inside today, but still good. How are you? Well, welcome to my existence. We were up late, having a gay old time. My sister's visiting. Mm -hmm. So we were talking, talking, talking. And next thing I know, it's damn near the crack of dawn. (laughs) Break the dawn. Michelle Williams. Yes. You like that song. I do like that song. I listened to it a fair amount. What year did that come out? Wasn't it 08? Yeah, that was like heavy on your rotation list. It sure was. (laughs) I like her. Because it's got a very emotional uh, undercurrent to it. Oh, oh, you read into it. I'm sure the writer of that song would appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know that anyone else felt the same way. I, I like when uh, uh, she start, I, I, it's either her or the background singer that starts singing. There's that pause where she says yes a couple of times for enunciation. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to start with, I saw this news article from a few days ago. There is this... Um, like city official. So Pima County Supervisor Matt Hines, um, this is a county in Arizona. He was attending like like an Arizona board meeting. And you can't see my computer screen, but he's an openly gay man. He, he ran as a Democrat and was very open about his sexuality. So this is not necessarily a scandal, but he there was this uh, board meeting and some people were on zoom who couldn't make it into the office Mm -hmm. and he's on there. And then all of a sudden you see this guy walk in wearing like skimpy underwear and a black tank top Uh and he starts to take off his tank top. And then you can see the guy. um, I'm going to try to turn my laptop to you. Oh yeah. And then the guy who's taking off his shirt notices that this, you know, County employee, is on zoom so he immediately like puts down his shirt and then the guy cuts off his camera mm-hmm. and then continues with the meeting and then there was some backlash mainly on social media like people commenting like oh that's why you couldn't come into work because you were busy hooking up and and i don't know that i have an opinion about this except i think that like my thoughts on working from home mm-hmm. how do, like i think i feel like for people who have to work from home, I think that like little faux pas that happen, like, oh, your dog is jumping on you, your cat, your kids are screaming, there's noise outside, the the landscaper is here. It's kind of like, like, like for me, like I'm forced to work from home. So I don't know that this is appropriate, obviously, but it's also like, this is my office. Like my home is my office. And if some person who I've let into my home walks by the camera without clothes on, it's like, well, I don't know. Like, maybe you need to provide me with an office. Maybe, I don't know if that seems stupid, but no. I, I, like, I, I think what we consider professional and acceptable might need to change because it's like, I'm not in a professional environment. I'm in my house and there's no option for me to go. Like, if I want to, I mean, if I wanted to go to work, I could, but that's not something that is being encouraged. So effectively, like, I need to work from home. So... And no one's providing me with an office space. I had to create one in my own home for the job that I have. But yeah, I I feel bad for some people because I know a lot of the rhetoric is like, I'm so tired of hearing your kids crying, your dogs barking. And it's like, well, I'm kind of forced to be here. Like y'all aren't giving me a space to work (laughs) and I can't like lock up my entire life over you needing me to work from home. Sure. So that's what I mean. So I kind of felt bad because this seems kind of like this doesn't look this, this looks like he's in his I don't know I don't know if it's his bedroom or his probably home. yeah. But it's like if he lives if, if this guy is like someone he's dating who lives with him, it's like, well, this is my space too. Granted, he could have gone into the like he could have gone into like City Hall or wherever this was taking place, but well, who knows what else was happening in his life that day and it really doesn't matter. I just felt bad because I was reading the comments on the post and it's like, people are so unreasonable. Well, people like, are raggedy. So I, I, and, and feel like they need to have an opinion about everything when it's like, really? That was random. Did it stop him from doing his job? But the bigger thing I wanted to talk about is uh, several people were asking what you thought about the Golden Globe. So what I thought might be interesting since you voted for the LA Film Critics Association, mm-hmm. 
maybe what will be fun is for the major major categories you can tell me who you um nominated because you picked two for each category mm -hmm. and then after you do that then i'll say who who won at the golden globes and then maybe you can talk about that if you remember who you voted for uh yeah i think so okay so for best picture who were your two choices i think tar and everything everywhere all at once so tar was nominated for the golden globes but everything everywhere all at once wasn't and the winner was the fablemans which i didn't really like avatar the way of water was nominated for best motion picture drama Mm -hmm. I'm kind of surprised. I'm not. It's a moneymaker. <laughs> but yeah, the Fableman's one, which I'm very surprised about. <laughs> okay. For best performance by an actress in a motion picture. Oh, drama. the other thing to notice, we uh, threw gender out the window for Lafka. So, so Lafka is not doing gendered acting. They're just giving two awards. Yes. So it could be two people who identify as male, two who identify as right. female, so on. Of which there was a lot of contention about, but... You know. So who were the two actors you nominated for best? I think I, I think I only voted for women. And who were they? Uh, I voted for Sigourney Weaver. The Good House. Uh, because nobody's giving her any kind of buzz, and I had to sound that little trumpet. Uh, Kate Blanchett and Daniel Deadweiler were my top three. Well, the only person who actually made it on was Kate Blanchett, and she was the winner. Mm -hmm. You didn't about. vote for any men, but... The winner for best actor in a motion picture was Austin Butler for Elvis. The Wait. nominees were Austin Butler, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Hugh Jackman for The Sun, Bill Nighy for Living. I haven't seen that movie. And Jeremy Pope for The Inspection. Oh, wow. I guess I didn't. I didn't really look at I because I really don't care about the Pope. And I know that you don't. So when people kept asking, like in the comments, I thought this man does not care about the gold. He doesn't care about the Oscars really either. But this is interesting. I do think. Um, I'm surprised Hugh Jackman was nominated. Oh, yeah. I saw a headline, you know, because I do daily news searches on Sigourney and Isabelle Huppert. And apparently, because, you know, Isabelle Huppert has worked with Florian Zeller on the stage and her reaction to The Sun was, uh, Isabelle raves about Hugh Jackman's performance. But if you ever read her comments, she's also throwing shade because she's like, yeah, you could totally uh, understand uh, his character way much more than his son. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I didn't see Bill Nighy in Living, so I can't really. Uh, that is, it is worth watching. I think when it came out for you would have seen it. There was a lot going on. Uh, it's of course a remake of a, an Akira Kurosawa film. Uh, and in at Lafka, the two best acting awards we gave to were for Kate and Bill Nighy. Oh, well, from the list of the four that I do know, I probably would have picked Austin Butler. I, I did find him kind of captivating, even though the movie to me is a mess, but he is, he, yeah, I, I think he's the best part of it, I, but I really, yeah, I didn't like that movie for best motion picture, musical or comedy, the Banshees of Irish in, in a Sheeran one, which I did like enough, but it beat sure. Babylon, everything, everywhere, all at once glass onion, the knives out mystery and triangle of sadness. Um, I don't know why glass onion is in there, except that it was a big comedy that came out um yeah it's and banshee's winning over everything everywhere all at once but whatever um so best performance in an uh by an actress in a musical or comedy went to michelle yao and everything everywhere all at once which is very nice best performance by an actor musical or comedy went to colin farrell he beat out diego calva daniel craig adam driver and rafe fines uh daniel what was rafe fines nominated for the menu Oh, and, and Adam Driver was for White Noise. Daniel Craig was for Glass Onion, and Diego Calvo was for Babylon. His I, performance wasn't comedic, though. No, I don't. I don't think even know that I would consider that movie comedic. No, it's it, it it slides directly into desperation. But you know that see that I appreciate the Golden Globes try to separate something. It gives more a chance for more people in their work to be honored. But at the same time, it's like. Sometimes y'all be forced. It's like that year that The Tourist with Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp came out, and then they gave that stupid, terrible film a bunch of nominations in the comedy sections. Best animated picture went to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, but the other nominees were Inu O, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Turning Red. God, I still haven't seen Turning Red. Did you see Inu O? No. Um, I definitely liked uh, Marcel the Shell and Puss in Boots more than Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, 
but anyway i oh, I, I, I think you would know, have thoughts on the these uh best most motion picture non-english what did you vote for for lafka oh god i don't remember now actually the nominees are all quiet on the western front argentina 1985 that one didn't it close decision to leave close rrr oh close <laughs> which you'll be watching wait this week. do you spell close and close the same way mm -hmm. oh okay yeah so i'm not that stupid. context darling uh yeah you'll be watching close this week out of those nominees i probably would have picked close but um argentina 1985 again there's nothing wrong with that and i've talked about this before and i know there are people that really love this film by santiago santiago mitra uh which was in venice where i saw it and it's fine but it, but it is a procedural about a very uh, significant uh court case in the the country and year that it's set in and it cuts a lot of corners if you know about the history at all but it's fine um, for Best Supporting Actress, I know this, this one because it got a lot of attention. Angela Bassett won for Black Panther. But the other nominees were Carrie Condon, mm -hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis, Dolly DeLeon, and Carrie Mulligan. I was surprised to see Carrie Mulligan because I did not think she said it was a great movie. And I certainly didn't think Carrie Mulligan was good in it. I agree. Or exceptional. I agree. Best Supporting Actress uh, in the industry has been kind of an odd... The 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 names that have been touted around it's been kind of like an odd melange of people like I, like nobody was really clear about who they wanted to support uh but it's nice to see angela bassett get attention to you i she didn't deserves. see black panther wakanda forever so i can't really her, i don't have an opinion i mean her performance definitely elevates that material but of the four i have seen yeah i don't know i thought dolly de leon was really good dolly de leon's really good jamie as, lee curtis is really jamie good lee. i think carrie condon was really good but yeah, I, I need to watch, watch Black Panther. Okay, best supporting actor went to Ki Hu Kwan mm -hmm. for Everything Everywhere All at Once. But the other nominees were Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keoghan, who I really liked in The Banshees of Inisherin, yeah, Brad Pitt, who I liked in Babylon, and I thought Eddie Redmayne was good in The Good Nurse. These I've all seen, and I I think they all were very good performances. Yes, and, and it's nice to see Kihi Kwan Kihi Kwan uh, win. Because as I said, uh, you know, even as a kid, just even watching that everything everywhere all at once and hearing his voice brings me directly back to yeah. my childhood and watching Goonies and Short Round and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Do you know who won for Best Director? Was it Spielberg? The nominees are James Cameron, Daniel Kwan, and Daniel Scheinart, yeah. Boz Lerman, Martin McDonough, and Steven Spielberg. And Spielberg won. I mean... I feel like I've seen all of these movies... I don't know. I think the Daniels should have won. I agree, but also they did a lot with probably I bet you the Fablemans had a bigger budget than everything everywhere all at once. Probably. And that movie was so basic to me. Yeah, because it was. If you told me that was like a made for TV movie, I would be like, oh, that's a nice made for TV movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little like, okay. But you know, it's not notable uh the SAG nominations that came out after this excluded little white Michelle Williams and in and replaced her with Anna de Armas from Blonde. And... Well, that's the Golden Globes. I guess we're all waiting in great anticipation for the Oscar nomination. I'm not. <laughs> I'm waiting in great anticipation to see what's going to be competing in Berlin since Rebecca Miller's new film has been announced as the opener. Oh, boy. And the, I've heard that there are rumors that Berlin, for the first time, has reached gender parity in its competition. Oh. So I'm very curious to see uh, who what how that will happen why uh, moving on to questions uh I, we we received a couple of comments about why i don't like amusement parks and i don't know if it's because of that one documentary we reviewed i don't know that one suddenly got more views so then there were comments interesting okay. and i guess i commented in that that i don't like amusement parks i don't have a disdain for amusement parks i just don't like my body being flung around and i every time i have gone which hasn't been for many many years i always feel like i end up with whiplash and nausea you and i actually went to magic mountain that was the last time i was at an amusement park that was a few christmases ago and which, we couldn't which i'm telling you is the time to go you can get all the rides you want shall we got there right when they opened and we didn't have to wait no I mean, we rode like four rides and it like it was like 30 minutes in and then i'm like i think i'm good i think i'm good Nikki wasn't like super excited to stay and I was feeling nauseated from being flung around. 
So that's why I don't like amusement parks, but I think they're fun. And if you feel safe and your body can handle it, I just, the older I get too. Well, there are things that the thrill cannot be recreated. Like the, the thrill has a kid getting on a roller coaster. It's not the same. I, 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 I don't know. Well, and I know people often say like, would you do this? Would you zip line? And then I, yes, feel like I would. People, and I always say no. And people, I think, think that I'm afraid. I'm not afraid of heights. I could zip line. I, I, I could, you know, you can drop me from 20 stories in that little, you know, roller coaster ride. I, I could do it. I just feel like it's a lot on my you, body. You can do it, put your back into it. And I'm, you know, a fragile spirit. Well, and then, no, not really. <laughs> Well, maybe not my spirit. My body's fragile. No, um, not really. No, boy. Okay, so then I have some questions. Oh, for who? The, the world. Anyone listening, feel free to comment. Does anyone know how many times Angelina Jolie says, my son and the changeling? That's oh. a question I have. <laughs> I don't I don't know that I want to rewatch that movie to find out, but we can because you haven't seen it. And another question I have is, how do people know the boy is in a coma in the movie Skinamarink? Uh, we watched this movie on Friday. We posted the video on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like messages about, well, the boy's in the coma and it's through his eyes. And I just don't know, like, even we Noah, watched it. There were four of us watching it mm-hmm. and none of us picked that up. And none of us then there are speak- many comments in the video, like in the actual YouTube video, people saying like they didn't know what was going on. So I feel like the people who are trying to make, me sound stupid did you read that the boy was in a coma well it's like how i read ahead of time that it was about two children waking up in a house without doors or windows and i don't get that impression watching if, it. if i didn't read that there were no doors and windows at a point i would not have caught that like the doors and windows it, i mean i i did notice in a couple scenes that there's a door and then there's not but the like that doesn't feel like the main focus of the story well i also it, it wasn't hammered home that that door disappeared forever in that i do universe. recall hearing like oh the boy hurt himself but it's like i wouldn't have put it together that he's in a coma and then an hour 30 minutes later that he's like it's been 572 days that he's been in a coma anyway i think that movie is controversial and in in the, in the sense that there are people who are saying it's the scariest thing they've ever seen and i just i'm just having a hard time processing that but well, because I think that's an inflated uh, <laughs> view. But even with that information, that should have been. It should have been a fifteen-minute short, which it was. It should have been a fifteen-minute short. Which people were like, "You guys need to do your research." It was a short. Okay, I didn't know that, but well, I actually do say in that review that he. But that doesn't it. change my opinion. Like this movie was too damn long for what it was. Like there wasn't enough material to keep it engaging for an hour forty minutes. Uh, no. And even knowing that information does not make it rewatchable. It's not like David Lynch's Eraserhead where, oh, you might be able to notice different things or have different theories about all the weirdness, the extravaganza of weirdness going on. I can't even say you could keep this in the background because there's nothing to see. There's nothing to see. You can't even see what's on the screen and there's no sound. So it's like you couldn't even create a mood with this movie. And guess you'd what? Have to, you'd have to be on drugs in like a pitch black room. And guess what? It's okay not to like things. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and it's okay to like things. Like, yeah, you can love a movie, but that doesn't mean it's like the greatest movie of all time. It's just your favorite. Uh, there's nothing in the sorry to this man section. <laughs> Films released we didn't cover the movie Plane. With I mean, I asked the publicists, and they were just like, "I don't think we're showing this for." To it looked terrible, but it's directed by Jean Francois Richet, who, when he's working in French, I, I don't mind like the Marine film starring Vincent Cassel, or you know, he remade Claude Berry's one wild moment a few years ago, which I didn't mind his remake of, but I, you know what I didn't know? Cause I've never seen it. Blame it on Rio is also a remake of one wild moment. Blame it on Rio. Yeah. But isn't that Michael Caine and Demi Moore from oh. like 84 or something? Well, if it's streaming, I would definitely watch it. I do like Gerard Butler and you know, I like cheesy action movies. Sure. So I'm sure it's sure. It's and, amusing. It also stars Mike Coulter dog gone. Oh, God, this looks terrible. Uh, But it's about Rob Lowe playing a guy and his son who go on a walk and I think repair the relationship or something like that. Uh, But it's a Netflix film directed by Stephen Herrick, who you, John Rahound, should uh, recognize as the director of Critters. Oh, okay. Something called Dormouse. Uh, Yeah, this sounds interesting. I don't recall the plot off the top of my head, but uh, if 
there if I had not not done anything else this week, I might have made time for this, but it was a busy week. Uh, it sounds quite interesting. It's directed by I'm, I hope I'm saying his name right, Avan Yogia, uh, who is the a handsome young man in the film Shaft, the the latest iteration of that with Samuel Jackson, which I kind of I did like that movie. Uh, but yeah, if I had time, I would have watched it. Kitchen Brigade, uh, French film directed by. Louis Julien Petit, uh, starring Francois Clouzet, uh, about a young woman who I think starts working in a shelter, Audrey, Audrey Lamay, Lamy, uh, and then starts helping, I think, unhoused people through the art of her cuisine or something. Next is something called On Sacred Ground. I didn't even write that. This looks like one of those, it's, a, it's definitely a social issue movie that was, <clears throat> looks like it was stapled together uh, about the Dakota Access Pipeline oh. dilemma. Uh, Tom Cruise's cousin, William Mapo, there is in it. It doesn't look like it's high quality. Lastly, sick. Uh, Peacock film directed by John Hyams. Um, I think somebody during our live chat said they were watching this. Uh, John Hyams directed the movie Alone, which we reviewed over the pandemic, about the woman that gets abducted and put in that house. Mm. Uh Anyway, notably, it was directed by, or it was uh, scripted by Kevin Williamson, who wrote uh, something called Scream. Oh, well, I would watch it. Okay, movies we watch for fun. So, you know, there's a podcast that I've listened to every episode of. It's called Bad Gay Movies, mm -hmm. Bitchy Gay Man, Bad Gay Movies, BGM. And they invited us to be on it separately mm -hmm. so i'm doing an episode on my own for some reason <laughs> someone trusts me and then nick is doing an episode on his own and the movie i selected with the help of nick is something called butcher baker nightmare maker which is a film from 1983 i thought it was 82 you but... know i'm probably wrong but um i'm not going to talk about it because people can listen to the podcast but i would highly recommend watching it it is extremely homophobic susan tyrell is so over the top and fun uh i i can't imagine anyone being not having a good time watching it and starring uh jimmy uh mcnichol the brother of christy mcnichol and the fabulous fantastic susan tyrell who i love um and y y if you've seen a susan tyrell movie you can't forget her uh back in the day joseph has no uh memory of this but I had a movie night for this in 2012 uh, as a double feature with Windows starring Talia Shire and Elizabeth Ashley talking about early 80s homophobic films. Well, once I know when it's coming out, I'll let people know. I'm assuming it'll be sometime between March and like the beginning of the summer. And then I record mine on The Killing of Sister George later this week. Oh, yeah. So we'll be watching that. Um which is, if I think, it's today or tomorrow. Directed by Robert Aldrich, of course, of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane fame. The next film we watch for fun is something called Bellissima. I did, yeah. Uh, Lucchino Visconti, his third feature, I think, from 1951. I have owned this on Region 2 for damn near 20 years, and, and I'm a huge Anna Magnani fan, and I saw it on the shelf because I was digging for something, and I'm like, oh, I need to watch that. Uh, yes. It's uh, from 1951. Again, a fantastic Anna Magnani performance about this working class Italian mother who wants that there's uh, auditions for a film and they want a little girl and she uh, does whatever she can to get her daughter this audition who's shortlisted for the role and just <laughs> kind of the it, it, she's very over the top and, uh, you know, dare I say Italian in it. But uh, yeah, fantastic. It's always electric watching her. Something called Moonlighting. Uh, this was, there's a Yerzy Skolomowski uh, retrospective going on at Los Feliz. I've probably talked about it many times already, but I made it to his 1982 film Moonlighting. Uh, I saw it at 10 o'clock last Tuesday at the Los Feliz. And the, I was surprised at the number of people that actually showed up. But it, it's pretty damn good about the collapse of the solidarity movement in Poland in the early 80s. And Skolomowski works that into this really intriguing tale about Jeremy Irons with uh, three of his comrades sneaking all these tools into the UK to build his boss a cheap labor to renovate this uh, apartment house for him in London. So it's, also, it's really a snapshot of London in the early 80s as well and kind of how xenophobic all these assholes are to them. But uh, just Jeremy Irons trying to keep it together and who is 
you know, quite handsome at the time. Uh, yeah, highly enjoyable. And I hope to catch one or two other uh, Skolomowski films this week. Lastly, that I haven't seen. We watched something called Tammy and the T-Rex. What platform was it on? AMC? I'm, I, I'm not sure. It would, we, we saw it through Amazon Prime, but I think it was through our AMC subscription. Either way, it's called Tammy and the T-Rex. It's from 1994. Four. It stars Denise Richards and Paul Walker. And it's directed by Stuart Raffel, who directed Mac and Me. If you have access to it, you need to watch this movie. It is a good time. And just to give a little background, so apparently this person who had like a robotic T-Rex, like like the size of like a Jurassic Park robotic t-rex um was like transporting it to its next job and came in contact with this person who was looking to make a film and said like well i have this t-rex you can use for a month for a month and like but you have to start filming in two weeks so the person was like well let me make a movie about a t-rex and the movie that that was written is about this teenage like this high school couple denise richards and paul walker paul walker gets ki- uh, killed and this mad scientist played by the guy who plays bernie from weekend at Bernie's. yeah he uses Paul Walker's brain and transplants it into this robotic T-Rex. So you have this robotic T-Rex running around that's sentient with Paul Walker's consciousness fucking shit up. And I was so highly amused. Yes. Terry is, I can't even say it's so bad as good. I actually thought it was a fun movie. It's like fun. It's, <laughs> it's legitimately fun. I think the Denise Richards performance is quite fun. It's also kind of a send up of, 40s 50s sci-fi movies again where people's brains are just like hanging around in on plates uh denise richards looks fantastic uh the fashion is also quite entertaining her best friend is this gay black man played by theo forsett and he's like unapologetically gay Mm -hmm. and and their chemistry like the way it's it's written i actually thought was very charming because it's like they're friends Mm -hmm. like like, and she acknowledges he's gay and she'll like rib him like no there's a scene where they have to pick out a body for paul warf like they're trying to find a new body for paul walker's brain and they're like looking at men and being pretty like in the morgue yeah like pretty you know explicit about like what's important to them in a man's well it's physique because he pulls out this body that looks like a, a jewish man and he's like oh he's beautiful and denise pulls back the um uh, sheet over him and then she's like oh no not for me she sees his penis and it's like something about it didn't work for her because he was a handsome man right but, yeah and then paul walker is young and so handsome and then like the bully who's like responsible kind of responsible for killing paul walker i think it's funny because he's more puny than paul walker it's somehow yeah. whoops his ass um, oh they have this fight scene where they grab each other's crotches that's funny the mad scientist like terry- hench woman is like this amazonian looking woman helga terry kaiser is dr walkenstein who's kind of you know a, a frankenstein reference as well. oh and then the kid who played malachi and children of the corn oh yes he's in this movie playing like a like the scientists, like other scientists. And then one of the other bad kids is played by Sean Whalen from People Under the Stairs. That's right. I was howling the entire time. It's especially funny because, you know, T-Rex arms with these little arms, but it's clear that like, the like whenever we see the arms doing stuff, it's like a person wearing gloves mm-hmm. and the dexterity of these hands and what it's doing and it's giving people the finger and saying yes, no. I thought was supremely funny. And waving. Waving. The, the, the fact that the, the they kind of humanized the T-Rex. Yeah. Like he seems like sweet because it's Paul Walker. And mm-hmm. his character is a very sweet guy. Oh, my God. It's... Even Paul Walker interacting with the gay guy for the first time was very sweet. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, because Denise says, oh, do you know whatever his name was? And Paul's like, yeah, everyone knows him. Byron. Everyone knows Byron. But he's, like, nice to him. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't bother him. That well, because as the T-Rex, he picks him up during this one rampage sequence, and he, like, brushes off his shoulders. Yeah, there's a scene where the as gay the guy, like, gets kind of hurt and falls down, and the T-Rex, like, this is before the gay guy knows that Paul Walker's the T-Rex. And, yeah, he, like, very gently picks him up and dusts him off. I thought it was very sweet. And also Byron's father, who is Sheriff Black, uh, also has... He knows his son is gay, and he's also... Go ahead. Oh, well, we need, we're need we running out of time. Uh, I need to take a quick break. Oh, okay. Sorry, hold on. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, sorry, I cut you off. You were talking about Byron's dad. He's like the county sheriff. Mm-hmm. And he has he he clearly knows his son's gay, but has a kind of a a warm relationship with him. But at one point, uh, George Buck Flower, as uh, one of the other cops, almost drops the F slur. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I I I don't know. I would applaud this movie. You know, what what would I give it? I mean, I would say I'd probably give it like I enjoyed it like level four out of five, but like as a film, I'd probably give it like two and a half. I can see why it's a cult classic. But I would highly recommend checking it out if you have access. Mm-hmm. Okay, projects of interest, Kane Mutiny Court Martial. We forgot to mention this last week because I think there were a lot of items, but uh, William Friedkin is making another film finally, and it's going to be, I guess, kind of a follow-up or the same thing is that the classic the cane mutiny uh so that should be interesting uh war with the newts yeah this is uh based on i have the book by carol carol capech capek uh czech writer who is the reason we uh, developed the terminology for robots in his 1920 short story novella r-u-r oh uh, but yeah, yeah, very notable writer, but there is a animated film currently being, ma- being made uh, based on the novel, which means I'll probably have to read that soon by uh, Aurel Klimt. Lastly, uh, Haunted Heart. Uh, Fernando Trueba is making another film uh, starring Matt Dillon, but apparently it's got P- Patricia Highsmith, Hitchcock vibes. Uh, apparently I hadn't heard of it. It's right now. I've only heard of it because it just went into post-production. Oh, and also uh, we'll be uh, at Ion Cinema. There is, the countdown is now going on for the top 200 most anticipated uh, international films of 2023. Mm-hmm. And I had to record videos for the, for him for the top 10 of those. Uh, so those will be coming out. And then just to give a shout out, because Nick has blessed us with some reviews on our website, fishjellyfilmreviews.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you did one for a film called The Man in the Basement mm-hmm. and another for Let It Be Morning. Yes. So what- people want to read Nick's quality writing. They're also non-spoiler reviews. Mm-hmm. So I know some people crave that. We're not double dipping though. Like Nick's not going to write a spoiler free, re- free review for a film we made a huge. No, these these for. are things that I wouldn't get be able to get Joseph to watch. And I think both of these are coming to like L.A. and New York theaters. In like Man in the Basement comes out the twenty seventh of January, and Let It Be Morning comes out February third. So you drop them ahead of time, but yeah. We do have some entries in the obituary section. So Lynette Hardaway died. And for people who don't know how that is, do you remember those two black ladies, Diamond and Silk, who were like pro-Trump people and they were at all the rallies? Yes. Well, Diamond done died. Uh, <laughs> she passed away at her home. Um, Donald Trump even uh, wrote like Diamond's death was totally unexpected. Probably her big and precious heart just plain gave out. Um, you know, after she made a fool of her damn self not not that she can be republican or not that she can can't support trump but i thought she was a fucking clown but anyway after she did all that she did get some notoriety and was on some platforms and but um you know she was a fervent like like covid19 vaccine uh opponent mm-hmm. and guess what this bitch died from <laughs> but um uh... you know i it, it's you know her death is not funny but and I probably shouldn't have said use the bitch to describe her, so I apologize. But um, I don't know. I, I just I could go on and on about what it's not. It's not about these two people, but sort of like what they represent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they were sort of used. Sure. Like they can be Republican, they can support Donald Trump as president, but I think the way they allowed themselves to be put out there was not helpful. Like, no, not at all. Not at but, all. Um, yeah, I don't like to talk about politics a lot. So, 
but she did die. And then Lisa Marie Presley died. Wow, yeah, that's... I, which was wild. Yeah, that... I don't know. I thought that was really... Kind of bummed me out a little bit, I guess. But not that I felt... Feel completely attached to the Presley clan. But, uh, you know, I remember her as a kid. I, I think that I had carried respect for her for kind of defending Michael Jackson. Yeah, I had some... Yeah, I mean... And, you know, like, just from my own perspective, like, during that Velvet Rope era, that's when she married Michael. And I remember her doing stuff with, like, Janet and maybe mm-hmm. places. And it, I, I feel like she probably really did, like, what a hard life. Like, my dad is, the like, the most famous man in the world. And the men that are, like, messing with me, like, Nick Cage, are too. Are obsessed with my dad. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, the the scrutiny she was under and the, and the vices and the demons and like all the things that someone in her position had to deal with. And, and you know, she had a son, uh, Riley Keough's brother committed suicide a couple years ago. So, you know, there's a lot she of, she was young. And then I like watching the footage from the golden globes, she looks so fragile and it's just like, so I, you know, from what I believe, I feel like, you know, she's obviously at peace now. And sure. so that feels nice, I'm sure. But yeah, that was shocking. Yeah. I definitely, you know, def- definitely didn't expect that. Okay, for the secret movie this week, it was my decision. And my original decision was for Revolutionary Road, the movie with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't find it. I've now corrected that issue. Did you buy issue. it? Yeah. Oh, Lord. So now we have that movie in the house. Well, God. So I will be choosing Revolutionary Road, um, but we had to buy it. We couldn't find it streaming for some reason. So that'll be a future episode Mm -hmm. so the film i did choose is the 1999 american science fiction horror film virus it's directed by a visual effects artist named john bruno and it stars jamie lee curtis william baldwin and donald sutherland and joanna pecula i chose this movie because i was listening to a podcast um and i think it was the regular exclusive podcast which is another one i listened to and I believe it was them talking about Jamie Lee Curtis saying in an interview about this movie. And this is a quote from her. That would be the all time piece of shit. It's just dreadful. That's the only good reason to be in bad movies. Then when your friends have bad movies, you can say, ah, I've got the best one. I'm bringing virus. And then she also said once, um, that she tried to get the director fired because of how bad she thought the film. Yeah, which is because he did special effects for James Cameron films, like on True Lies. And I think she wanted Steve Miner, who directed Halloween H2O. So that's what prompted me to watch it. But unfortunately, you know, it is not a good movie, but it's not, it wasn't fun to watch. And we're recording this on the 24th anniversary of its release. Yeah, so that's an interesting coincidence. This film came out in, uh, on January 15th, 1999. I watched, I remember renting this on VHS with my dad and he hated it because it's stupid. Uh, but th- it was supposed to be a summer 1998 blockbuster and they pushed it. Yeah. It, so this is the 24th it, anniversary of this movie. Um, it's super generic. It's yep. like every late nineties, early two thousands, like sci-fi horror action type film. There's nothing original to it. The story is dumb as hell. It's so boring. Like it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah, this was a bear to get through. But the basic story is that Donald Sutherland uh, is the captain of a, like, cargo Like a salvage ship. Like a salvage ship. And he's caught in a typhoon, and his ship gets damaged, and he but he doesn't want to retreat because he needs to make this money. And then he comes across a big, like, like war ship. A Russian. A, a, a Russian ship. And he's like, well, we can salvage that and make a bunch of money, like like millions of dollars off this boat. But which... maritime laws are only if there's no there are no survivors. So we find out, because this is the opening of the film, that that ship is incapacitated because some like, like alien electrical power thing in, in outer space comes in contact with a satellite. And then that satellite shoots this like, virus like into the satellite of this russian ship and Mm -hmm. that's what hems it up 
and this virus is just like any other alien creature any other thing that invades a space and it's trying to overtake um the occupants of the ship which it has successfully done except for two people mm-hmm. and the virus's mission is to create like it needs organic material to persist which is such a dumb plot i just don't understand like, you know any... computers and robots can operate off of machinery like hardware organic matter is a hindrance to you because i would think it's a hindrance yeah it it, uh, and then it doesn't make sense that the two people alive are like the ship's captain and jow the chief's wife the yeah the chief science officer or whatever uh joanna i think her last name is pronounced pukula uh the polish actor who's in a wonderful uh camp fest called the kiss but of course like every movie with this plot it's like you know some someone or some people have to survive until the end to destroy the bad thing mm-hmm. and so that would be william baldwin and jamie lee curtis destroy the ship effectively killing the virus at the and end. jamie lee reads very lesbian to me in this and there's this billy because i thought she had more uh chemistry with pakula than uh william baldwin yeah they have no chemistry she seems mad which she probably was based on her comments it's just really like it's like watching people doing a job that you know like like when someone serves you and you can tell they're not happy with their job that's how i felt watching this movie like and maybe i'm influenced by knowing she hated it but sure it definitely does not feel like this was a fun movie no there's no one's having any fun and and even the dialogue too they're there are so many lines that are about situating where they're going. It's in the uh, main computer room. Now we're going to the aircraft carrier room. Now we're going to the coat room. Now we need to go to the extra, uh, the the extra custard room. It just, <laughs> yeah. The, I I was I was starting to write down bad dialogue and then I just stopped. But and where characters always have to say their names, like it's me, Baker, Foster, <laughs> Nadia, Richie, Squeaky, Kiko, and and of course oh, Kiko played by Cliff Curtis. Uh, that that's an interesting supporting role because they, they take pains to uh, uh, talk about how he's Maori, etc. Marshall Bell is also one of the people in it. There are other lines like "I got a bad latissimus" or "That's one hell of a flame." You think like what are we talking about here? But anyway, just quickly, we need to wrap this up. I'm going through my notes. My first note is this story is just stupid. Mm-hmm. It's just dumb. There's it, it's so derivative. There there there's nothing. There's just nothing about it that was interesting. I just felt like I was just watching. I don't even know. <laughs> I probably would have been more entertained watching someone else play a video game well, about there, like mercenaries on a ship. Like, there's, there's also nothing really innately interesting about watching an electrical virus sweep through. Well, because then they they're spending. That's my next note. They're spending a lot of time explaining that computers need electricity. Yes, and that they need to somehow turn off the electricity. And it just it just feels like a problem that isn't that difficult to eradicate. When they get through, the and also y'all, I mean, their ship is destroyed, so they can't get off the boat now. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, I just feel like the. Are you? Do you think the audience is just like so dumb that when, when you're going through the bowels, they're going through the bowels of the ship, and there's all these like hanging cords, like somebody tried to disassemble all the. Ha- when you. <laughs> When Donald Sutherland's on his ship approaching the Russian ship, Jamie Lee has a book, like like a big yeah. reference book that apparently has every ship ever made. And so she's flipping through her book and she's like, oh, this is the blah, blah, blah. And it has 24 labs and eight blah, blah, blah. I thought that may, may, maybe that is a reference book every ship has, but I just thought it was so funny that like that was the way they explained. <laughs> oh, it's opening in the, the aim of the story is that they need to salvage this ship and apparently spread $30 million amongst the 10 of them or however many the crew is reminded me of um, another terrible film beyond the Poseidon adventure, because that's the main thrust of that story is these, this salvage ship going back to this uh, capsized boat because they're going to claim all the rich, the bounty of riches on it. Then I was thinking, when did computer viruses become a thing? Was that in the late nineties, like 96? Like, like, is that when we were getting those Norton discs in the mail? I'm sure. Yeah. So I feel like this movie just feels not only is derivative, but it's so like, of the time like oh we're all scared that somebody's gonna get in our computer and Mm -hmm. which all of our computers were fucked up back then because we were (laughs) they were all infected well looking at things we weren't supposed to yeah so i mean i think you know this could have been done in so many other ways that was so much more effective uh but as it is um 
then yeah getting back to what you said like i just don't understand like how this machine doesn't realize that it doesn't need organic material to persist because then we do see actual like little robots that look like the things from transformers like doing their thing that so why are you like why can't you just be that what 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 is having human like organs gonna help you yeah with? why do you need a goddamn skull it just doesn't make <laughs> what and it reminded me of they're trying they're ripping off you know things like alien and the thing carpenter's the thing where mm -hmm. you know this 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 alien entity is taking rebuilding life forms it, it's it feels like those scenes in the thing where you can like the scene where it, the, the aliens becoming the dog that's what it felt like but not in a very fun or interesting way and then donald sutherland is this <sighs> just this really annoying characterization who always seems who also seems quite bored as this this captain that sides with the alien life form and then it you know it rips him apart to reassemble make him a him. robot and even that was so anticlimactic it because is. it happens all of a sudden yeah it's like we see him and then literally cut to the next scene and he's like this huge robot i feel like we're missing like 15 minutes of something but then i read that don sutherland demanded that all his films or all his scenes uh requiring that level of makeup be shot one day because he didn't want to put up with it also that would probably explain that why probably it just feels like oh all of a sudden he's just like this like a huge machine and his he's been like dismembered um the computer's voice is laughable mm -hmm. the way they have it like presented with the you know the like 90s graphics mm -hmm. and the in the font the one thing i will say that i think works well is there are some gruesome scenes and i do think the practical effects are good and i guess because the director does that those do look good sure. um yeah again i didn't the flirtation between william baldwin and jamie lee curtis was like no and then, one like you said she reads like a lesbian in the movie so i just don't understand who thought this was like a match made in heaven right like, yeah no one needs this I, it, I would have been more interested if she started macking on joanna but <laughs> okay the climax of the film when billy when William Baldwin and Jamie Lee Curtis escaped the ship, they have rigged this super elaborate like pod to shoot out of the ship with like parachutes. <laughs> but there's also like it they, all... they they have to ignite something to blow up the ship, and then they also like they have to trigger that, and then it's so because they're also you know like when you would connect like tin cans with a string to talk to someone that's how it looks because the one mm -hmm. pod shoots out to then grab the second pod to then grab the parachute to then pull the thing to the pins the out of the grenades that yeah. shit was like this is so overly complicated <laughs> and it looked cheesy so it's like okay it just feels all around like a, a doomed film and then the film the, the 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 final scene is very much like the end of titanic when uh they're on that piece of wood and she mm -hmm. has to just like but but that's not the situation she jamie lee and Bill, william baldwin are on one piece of wood like floating in the ocean and then we see cliff curtis on another piece so she's like oh my god his character's name is hiko like hiko you're alive and she pulls back his hair because he has like a beautiful mane of hair covering his face and we see that he's been infected with the virus mm -hmm. So then, of course, as the audience were like, oh, no, it's going to persist. But then we find out she was dreaming. Yeah, I didn't. Need they that. didn't need that dream. I didn't need that. No one needed that nightmare. No. <sighs> yeah, this was probably a bad choice. It, it's not fun to talk about. It wasn't fun to watch. I can't even say that. Yeah. No, Tammy, Tammy and the T-Rex was actually a lot more fun. <laughs> I, you know, I, I wish you would have reviewed Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> it's okay. But oh well. Because I would rewatch that anytime. But Virus, you know, I, I haven't seen this since. Uh, I'm sure it came out. Oh, so out you saw it when it came out? On VHS. Ugh. So it would have been like uh, probably that summer when we would have rented it because it took a long time to for those things to have uh, come. But it made me want to rewatch because in my mind, I think I collapsed this with Walter Hill's Supernova, which Walter Hill had his name taken off of, uh, oh. starring Angela Bassett, uh, which I'd be interested in, inter interested in revisiting as well. Well, that's all we have for virus. Um, this will be a busy week, I think. Yeah, we got to excuse me. We have a few things to um, take care of to the microphone before you go out of town um we do have um a couple of videos releasing this coming week tomorrow the film when you finish saving the world with julianne moore mm -hmm. and then a few days later missing with nia long and uh, technically we could post missing early but it's spoiler heavy and uh there was a uh, a coterie of people involved in the film that uh 
warned us not to spoil this classic. But so I do want to be mildly respectful. Mm-hmm. So I'm delaying that until the day it comes out on availability. But um, yeah, are you reading anything? Uh, I'm actually reading because uh, I finished Street of Crocodiles, and I've been reading kind of slowly because it's a different kind of thing altogether. Is uh, Emil Zola's The Dreyfus Affair? Because uh, I want to. I've had a copy of that for years, and I, I want to read it before I watch the Polanski film, An Officer and a Spy. Uh, but it, it's interesting. And then, but I might have to pause it. Because? Because I want to read The Black-Eyed Blonde, which is the basis of the new Neil Jordan film, Marlowe, starring Liam Neeson and Jessica Lange, mm. which is being dumped in February. Uh, but again, uh, with uh, I'll probably be rushing through a bunch of stuff because... They're, like I want to read Limanov, which I'm, I'm hearing is rumored to be in competition in Berlin, and I want to read that book. And yeah, it, I, I, t- I tend to like to read the book ahead of time for things, because if I see the film before I read the book, chances are I won't go back. So I don't know. I, I like doing that. I still need to watch Kindred on Hulu. Ugh. I know. So, well, that feels arduous. And then reading the book was arduous because, yeah. my God, this bothers me. But there's so many interesting things to talk about. And then there's no time. I, I always feel like there's no, oh, uh, people will be happy to know we did start Interview with a Vampire yeah, on AMC. Two episodes. I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I do find uh, Lestat. I, I like his character and that actor. He's a little more captivating than Louis. But yeah, Louis. I don't. I know. He, for some reason, he's kind of bothering me more so in when in Ma, like when he's giving the interview mm-hmm. versus when he first meets Lestat. His tortured beginnings. But I'm kind of excited to see like because I don't remember the movie and I didn't read the book, so I don't know what happens to them that they're no longer together. Oh, I remember very well. So yeah. I'm kind of excited to find out why they're not together. Well, like I said, as a kid, I wanted to. I literally wanted to be Brad Pitt as a teenager. Who was he? As Louis. Because <laughs> the I, black I, guy. Yeah. Oh, because he had that tortured angst and of course was beautiful. And it's like, well, I, I want that for me. Uh, <laughs> I want to go there. But then growing up uh, and realizing like, oh, I'm not going to be that sad girl in the party in the corner anymore. I'm going to get done what I need to get I'm done for live, me. I'm going to live, live, live. Right. Uh, so, yeah. No one's going to tell me what I, no, what did she say? No one's going to tell me what to do. What do you think I should do? What, what do you think I should do? <laughs> in the room. In the room. Juliet Danielle. Oh. You do not like two first names. I don't. It's not. It, I, sometimes it works. I can't think of an example, but because who Brad Allen or someone Ed, Ed Allen in Ed, the, the in the Devil Conspiracy, <laughs> not a good movie. No, but I'm glad people enjoyed our derision. Yes, that's all I have. Are you done? Uh, sure. Bye. <laughs>